Hello, and welcome back to the Video Essay Podcast. I'm your host, Will DeGravio. I am thrilled to be able to present Exhibition 4 of 5 of the website Film Explorer's ongoing Video Essay Gallery, a collection of videographic works curated by Chloe galibert Lenay, Kevin B. Lee, and Ioannis Binotto. Exhibition 4 centers around the theme of techno-presence. Questions discussed include, can we embody the technology of video essays? How much technology guides the subject's choices and so displaces our focus from the subject to society and its dynamics? But also, how much do the technological choices of the video essayist reveal their authorship? A special thank you to Giuseppe and Ruth, the Film Explorer team, for this ongoing collaboration. And now I am thrilled to be able to present to you Exhibition 4 of the Video Essay Gallery, focused on techno-presence. For more information, please visit thevideoessay.com or filmexplorer.ch. Podcast. Video essay. Exposition for Techno Presence. Johannes Pinotto. Chloe Caliberlini. Kevin Bean. Production by Film Explorer. Welcome back for this fourth podcast of the Film Explorer Video Essay Gallery. We are here with Johannes Pinotto, Kevin Billy, and Chloe Galiberlini speaking about the choice for the fourth exhibition. We have three video essays. One is Panskan Venkman by Cornel Donnelly. Another one is Transformation Scenario by Clemens von Wedemeyer. And another one is Crisis or Crisis by Elizabeth. Caravella, and I would like to start to ask you, Chloe, about this video essay because the title that you choose for the three of them is uh, Techno Presence, and the presence of technology, of course, is quite uh, apparent and uh, almost violent in this video essay. So, how did you choose this video essay? Yeah, I think the, the, the term technopresence was interesting because of the three videos or films having, of course, exploring the, the, the question of the presence of technology in our lives, both our present life and, and our past lives and probably our future lives as well. At least in, in crisis or in crisis, I think is, is very much the direction in which the, the film evolves. But I think there was also this idea of exploring the presence of the body, the human presence and how it relates to those technologies. And I think you would find that in, um, uh, sorry, in the video essay about Ghostbusters with this, the, the, the core, the climax or the, the, the secret of the film being that a technology that was purely uh, targeted at framing one image so that it fits into one technological device in a very mechanic way results in the disappearance of a body or, uh, you know, an actor becoming a, a ghost of sorts for for the duration of one sequence. Um, and I think this this uh, this this idea of the the ghostliness of the, the the body, the human body, one in relation to technology, is very present in both the film that I chose, Crisis, in which you follow a protagonist that doesn't quite have a full body, has a sort of visual avatar, but you still hear the sounds of an embodied human presence in front of the device. So it's sort of exploring, I think, a, a, a double state of being that's mediated through technology. And in Kevin's pick is very much about creating a bodily presence or even a massive presence of several bodies in one space via the means of um, 
um, sorry, generating images via computer. And so I think this is why this, this theme of technopresence was Im imposed itself upon us. It was about exploring yeah, those, the, the different qualities of, of presence that are allowed for or maybe that technologies also prevent from happening when either when we are alone, that would be the case in crisis, or with others, that would very much be the case in, uh, well, especially in transformation scenario, where it's very much about the mass of, of bodies being together. But perhaps as an initiator for the conversation, I wanted to respond maybe first to, to something that Kevin wrote about transformation scenario. Um, and something that I also responded to while watching the video and this, this question of being alone versus being with others, because of course the film exploring the making of virtual crowds, it's very much an image of a fake collectivity or a fake collectiveness. And I was really struck because I saw the film a few years ago and rewatching it today, I couldn't help but having um, anxieties that I now have related to images of crowds because of having been, you know, having gone through the pandemic and having learned to associate being close to other bodies as a, a physical threat to my health. And so I wanted Kevin to ask, uh, in, I guess in relation, because this is related to technopresence, I guess, how this idea of technopresence is connected to you and to our times of social distancing, would we, one way of, of, wow. of putting it. Well, that really opens up a big door. Um, and yeah, you made me realize that I don't address the COVID pandemic in my, in my um, essay on transformation scenario. I mean, it was made before the pandemic, but if anything, the, the pandemic um, brings so many new meanings and associations and in many ways probably accelerates um, the future scenario that this video essay is proposing that, um, you know, in the future we'll have um, an increasingly digitized and virtualized means of living and that we'll have avatars doing many things on our own behalf. And so we could go to concerts, we can go to political demonstrations or any other kind of mass gathering, uh, you know, by proxy. Um, and so, and is this really the future that we want? Um, but yeah, also it makes me realize that when I look at the list of all the selections we've made, I mean, so many of them have to do with isolated states, like individual states of spectatorship, individual subjectivities, and I mean, in La, La Position Gaucher, you do have, I think, three people in a room, but they're all digitally rendered, so they're not really people, and they're all, and they're being and they're a reflection of one person's uh, subjective experience. So, like, wow, this this opens up a question of, you know, what is the role or what is the possibility of collectivity? Well, I mean, to your point, Chloe, like in our our kind of post pandemic traumatized society, but also within the realm of the video essay and the videographic criticism. Like, is the videographic essay really best um, applied to elaborating states of subjectivity? And our last podcast was really get it going there <laughs> with each of us, you know, giving very personal um, uh, attestments to our own practices and our, our selections. Um, yeah, and uh, so I think, I think Transformation Scenario was my you know, rather conscious way of, of thinking about um, 
society? What role does a, a videographic mindset have to do with um, imagining a future society and future communities? Um, you know, at least as a critical response to this kind of digital substitution of mass society that technology seems to be generating and imposing upon us. So if only to make us aware of that happening and to provoke us to ask ourselves, what do we think about that? Can we imagine an alternative? Um, I mean, yeah, it's interesting that when Giuseppe introduced this, um, you know, this conversation that he was, he had said like, you know, techno presence reflects the presence of technology. Because honestly, when I thought of this title, I didn't think of that myself. <laughs> I was, I was, I was, you know, what, what you had said, Chloe, that, you know, what kind of human presences uh, is technology uh, enabling or engineering, which I, I see very strongly in the three works. But, but I think Giuseppe's uh, interpretation is, is quite provocative because it's like, yeah, maybe we do have to acknowledge that technology <laughs> is a protagonist in each of these uh, video essays. And so how do we start to um, confront that critically? So I think with that, I'll pass the ball to Johannes. <laughs> with that, Paul, and, and, and also um, respond to, it's interesting, um, Chloe, you mentioning the um, kind of like the the feeling of anxiety that you had when seeing these crowds in um, transformation scenario, and I had um, also a, sort of kind of like an an, an 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 anxiety attack or a very strong feeling, of course, of the uncanny when looking at um, a crisis, um, because it's one of those um, videos that that achieves to make me really conscious of what is the person behind the camera and the question is there a person and of course that is something that usually <laughs> films would try to avoid that that we ask us this question but rather that we should concentrate on what is visible on screen and not so much asking ourselves okay what is be in front of that screen or rather kind of like behind um uh, the camera um and i realized that that at least i personally i have these experiences even more strongly when dealing with obviously technological images like digitized images or i remember um the feeling a very strong feeling i had when i was watching um uh, ari folman's half animated film at uh, the congress um in those animation sequences where i got this really really frightening thought that i thought what does it mean to live in a world in which you see images and you know behind those images there is a person but the person is not the same like what i see here in front of me and how uncanny um, um, a thought that is i think um crisis does then and i think i was also really um glad for you also picking um, up on that in your in your text in a sense of kind of like also gives space for that, that we much more actually get the feeling of the person um, 
um, be behind this virtual reality and that this person also has has a body in um kevin's uh, pick it remains for me very much a kind of like an unresolved question um in the sense of like that it could either go in a way that perhaps um we yeah we perhaps also might acknowledge these supposedly quote-unquote only virtual um, bodies as also kind of like having a certain weight. I mean, in the earlier um, podcast, we talked about also materiality, that also these virtual bodies have, have a certain materiality, have a, have a weight, have an, have, have, have an importance. And in a way, now when I'm thinking about it, I think Cormac Donnelly's um, reading of the pan and scan technology in a way, goes even further than that, that he would claim that is the artist, the pan and scan effect that is controlled by no one. It's not even, that's not even, it's almost like a tool that works just on its own. That is the real author of this film. And there it's no longer a frightening idea, but also a very, I don't know, almost like a new utopian um, uh, idea of kind of like a strange community in which something like this pan and scan effect um, is kind of like working hand in hand with, uh, with, 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 with actual bodies and with screened bodies. Um, yeah. Or is Cormac the real author in that case? No, because I mean, I think this is also something that, you know, you can think of watching that, that video essay is, you know, at first you can think positively or negatively, I would, you know, but you can think about this idea of, okay, authorship seems to be shared um, between the actual makers of the film and the, uh, you would say algorithm, the, the, the machine, the apparatus, the technological apparatus that decided how this new frame was going to be imposed on the image. Um, and in your essay, Johannes, you you know very minutely describes the sensations of the the how mechanical that feels when you're watching these these movements of the pan and scan. Um, but I think in this case, and you know, you 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 can also think about how those the the choices that were made via the pan and scan how they have been informed by a human perception <laughs> in terms of deciding, okay, we're going to frame these two characters and leave that other character out of the frame. But then what's really, for me, the most striking in the video essay is how Cormac Donnelly, the maker of the video essay, creates his own meaning and his own interpretation out of that mediated uh, apparatus or these re-re-remediated images that have been framed, reframed, and re-reframed. And this, the, the lesson that I learned from watching this video essay is that we will always be able to make sense of anything. <laughs> that is that is what we do. That is how we work. <laughs> Independently from how much intention or you know human agency was involved in the process of making the images, we will remake or co-make them into something that makes sense because our brain is so wired that we make the connections that we need to make and we just we, we just create we just create the images that we that we that we need i mean just quickly on that i i think you're absolutely right i think that's the fun interesting um paradox in in 
in, in Cormac's video essay that it is at the same time proves to us kind of like the um, authority, the authorial um, presence of something like a pure device like the pan and scan technique on the one hand, but at the same time, it also just proves of like the ability of the video essayist to claim almost anything. Um, it, 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 now it, I, I, I would perhaps also connect it to something like what um, Ariel Avisar did with his video essay, what is Neo-Snyderism? Mm -hmm. That's kind of like making fun of that ability of the video essay to make these really huge claims and to prove something. And in a way, but it, always proves is kind of like yeah the, the the presence the ability the 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 um the sheer um force of the person doing a video essay um the the sheer force of this person to inject into you to 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 uh uh to, to incept in you an 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 a certain reading, a certain um, argument that you would then think, okay, yeah, that that makes sense, and that's a, that's a fun paradox, kind of like on the one hand, there's no, there are no humans at all. This is just like techno presence that does not even think; it just does something, and at the same time, this very strong, strongly felt presence of authors of artists who are making that. Hmm. So yeah, so it does speak to the role of the yeah the human agent or spectator as the i guess the kind of catalyst that takes this uh material this media phenomena and i guess inscribes meaning based on their interaction with it um it gets me thinking about some of the examples that i i wrote about uh when i wrote about transformation scenario like this there's this um one moment that uh, Clemens von Wedemeyer, the, the author, juxtaposes three images, each having to do with violent uprising, but um, and, and each involving, well, actually, I'm not sure if they all involve CGI, because uh, there's one example, which is this movie production footage of a crowd of extras um, running towards the police, but then there are also these like green screen CGI figures. So it's a weird kind of hybrid use of old technology or, or old film practices of like human extras, but also uh, the, these digital replications. And then this, a, a totally computer simulated mass uprising that looks like it's taking place uh, in like in a video game or VR environment. And then this, what I found really fascinating, this Shutterstock footage of a protester throwing a Molotov cocktail, which really gets me wondering, like, what is this footage for? Like, who would who would use stock footage of a protest, and and who would produce such footage? You know, it looks like they got an actor to throw a Molotov cocktail, and maybe it's a green, maybe there's also a green screen involved. So, so what I'm saying is, like, each of these media objects proposes different possibilities of audience relationships. You know. I mean, one looks like it's a big budget blockbuster film and we just watch it as a way to vicariously experience uh, social upheaval and social violence. And then we eat our popcorn and then we feel like, you know, we got something, got some catharsis released from doing that. Uh, the CGI model of a riot, it's like 
that could go in any number of directions. I mean, it could be something used by law enforcement or the government to model how to deal with uh, violent protests, or maybe it's something for a video game. And again, the Shutterstock footage, I, re <laughs> I really don't know. But um, yeah, but but I think that there's a there's a certain maybe I guess there's a certain exciting prospect to that lack of definitive. Like, we know what this is going to be used for. That it, it it points in many directions and allows different possibilities for different types of subjectivities to realize themselves. So I guess I I want to ask Chloe the question with regards to crisis about um, you know what what you just said about human beings will always find a way to to interact or engage. Like how does that how would you say that manifests itself in um, in Elizabeth's uh, VR film? Well, for me, I would see this human presence very much in knowing how the film was made, which was the filmmaker being equipped with VR equipment and moving through this virtual space that she designed for the film. So you have a virtual camera moving, moving within a virtual space. So it's hard to get more virtual than that. But the camera is operated by a human body which I personally feel really strongly in the film and in certain sequences specifically where you feel like the way the camera moves is either, I mean, now, now, now that I know that it was the filmmaker's body, I can, it confirms my impression. It could have been virtually really well made and I wouldn't have known. But my, my, my impression, which was then confirmed um, by how the film was made, was that you had the the shape, you know, through the movement, you had the silhouette of an actual body moving virtually through a virtual space. So it was re really exploring, I think, this the, the this, I, this question of the techno presence in that way. What does it mean or how is it even possible for a lived body to exist in that sort of space? Plus the following question, which is maybe the most interesting or the funniest, which is not some, not only how is it possible, but also once you're there, what do you do? You know, what can you do with this this possibility? And I think that's something that I, I found really um, very, that made me really enthusiastic as I watched the film, was the playfulness with which the, the writer and maker of the film was exploring that space, had created that space first, but then also was sort of moving across it, that it, it almost feels like, you know, a child in a playground, um, except that the child has literally designed the playground and has written up all the rules for how this playground works. But still, the, the impression that you have is a sort of um, serendipitous exploration or flannery that doesn't really have a goal, doesn't really have an objective, but is trying to find one's way. Either at first it seems like they are searching for this app, this meditation app that is said to have been installed somewhere in the computer and the computer is this virtual space so it makes sense that this become a geographical journey across the space. But then it also feels like the character at some points is basically just following the bouncing of this ball, that the plastic ball that fell off the, the mouse of the computer in the first sequence. So there's a lot of randomness in how the, the orientation of the character is, is justified or is explained by the narration of the film. And I think this, the, this apparent randomness, or at least the playfulness of it, was really something that I appreciated. Also because 
I think the film, similarly to your two picks, I would argue, you know, explores, and this relates to what you were just saying now, Kevin, um, about exploring, you know, what what future could be possible in relationship to this this technology. I think the three films explored the past or, you know, do perform a form of media archaeology uh, in, you know, exploring the pan and scan technology and the VHS mode of distribution of, of movies. Um, in, in Crisis, you have this movie theater that is recreated via a VR technology and this comment on the obsolescence of that space. And Kevin, in the film that you picked in Transformation Scenario, you have these comments on the history of having hiring extras in, in movie sets and then replacing them. So in, in both, in, in the three cases, sorry, there is this reflection on the history of media production and distribution. But I find that this this work of archaeology in the three cases is performed in such a way that it's actually destabilizing what we think we know about history, more so than making assertions about what happened and what it means and how it's leading. And because it's destabilizing history in that way, and in several cases with that humor, with that sense of humor and this sense of what if. And Johannes, in your intro text, you, you write about counterfactuality, which I really struck me as an important term to also think about these three these three works, because they insert this element of what if it had happened differently, or what if we thought differently about what happened? I think is this 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 mode of addressing history is what opens the reflection on the future. Um, because since the past is so unstable and is so uh, available for different ways of thinking, then it means the future also must be. And to me, that is the, 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 the quality that these three films share in thinking about the future of techno-presence is that they are not deterministic or they don't make promises, being them positive or negative. But I find like they open floors, multiple floors to be explored playfully, such as the character in, in Crisis is exploring her environment. I think it connects what you just said it uh, makes me think of um, how someone like um, Gilbert Simondon, how he described like technology as that that he um, argued that technology, contrary to our common belief, as seeing technology as just a um, a means to a to an end that we already know, he would claim no. Technology actually is always open. That is what defines it as a technological object is the openness, which means um, we never fully know. And not even the people who invent, of course, the tool do really know what the tool is doing. But it's always also making something else than what was intended. And 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 I do think that, yeah, that's that's certainly um, um, yeah, I also think um, um Elizabeth uh, Caravella's um, video goes head on into um, uh, into that that it's kind of like it's not yet settled what what VR could be um, for and it's also not yet settled what the relationship between physical bodies and virtual bodies um, is it's not settled that it must be a replacement it's not settled that it must become something hybrid it's really kind of like it's it's more it's a playground it's a space where we can kind of like um, experiment um uh, uh, with um similarly 
it's kind of like um, the pan and scan effect produces something that literally no one who used it um, intended. It was not intended as an aesthetic device, um, as an as an authorial device, but but it but but it produces these effects. I mean, I mean, as the video proves, you can. Um, uh, you you can read Ghostbusters via the, the the pan and scan effect. Now I think with transformation scenario, I think that is really also kind of like you mentioned. I I think you also um, used the term, if I remember correctly, Kevin. Also the question of kind of like of 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 control, and I think there it's very much kind of like this this question, um, and also perhaps this might be an answer to. Um, what are these different materials? What are these different forms of footage? What are they for? And I think it, that's very much the question. Are they about opening up a potential? And I think that's also something you 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 picked up on with um, that. Of course, Woodstock was kind of like that was kind of like a shorthand for a sort of a fantasy for potentials, right? And Shutterstock perhaps is much more interested in controlling and owning and knowing what something is for and 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 yeah the question is as 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 you state in your in your essay how can we move from shutterstock to woodstock how can we make more more woodstock out of shutterstock <laughs> yeah. in the sense of like but again i think the interesting point is this is not only a question that that is kind of like um, related to um, the, the 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 human protagonists. It's not just okay. It all depends on how we use something, but it is also very much connected, actually, to the presence of technology. It is very much connected to an understanding of technology, and perhaps this understanding of technology that Shutterstock embodies isn't perhaps even not only is it inhuman perhaps but it's perhaps even non-technological actually yeah although at the same time it you know makes use of such things as meta tags and keywords and so it, it's it's a entire visual economy based on algorithmic organization and sorting and presentation of of images based on whatever terms you're looking for um yeah, and I guess that's supposed to make our lives so much easier as media makers, but at the same time, it leads to such banal outcomes, doesn't it? Um, yeah, and, and maybe that's, I don't know if it's worth getting self-reflexive, but I, I guess that's just <laughs> what we do as videographic people. Because, you know, I'm, I'm listening to us talking about, um, you know, about the role of play that Chloe brings up about technology and, and, and play and also, you know, what kind of outcomes are we envisioning? Do we want how much of a one-to-one -one ratio do we want between the things we intend or are seeking and the results that we actually get? And it really gets me to thinking about videographic practices and, you know, um, what what is the future or, you know, especially when there's been so much done to establish uh, conventions or criteria, uh, uh, you know, um, for how to properly evaluate videographic criticism, at least in the um, in the academic context. But even in YouTube, it's you're really uh, functioning underneath the governance of the algorithm, 
and the types of norms that get recognized as like, okay, this is what the algorithm rewards, or this is what people seem to respond to in terms of engagement and, you know, and clicks, uh, having your face on screen, you know, more and more so that um, one's presence is, is now one of the most important or vital videographic tools that one has, at least when it comes to YouTube video essaying. Um, and that, that to me is, <laughs> well, I don't want to, I don't want to sound too reactionary, but that's like videographic Shutterstock in a way. It's like, it's so, it's such a formula that it doesn't really, um, inspire me personally, or at least I, I find myself being drawn to alternatives. So yeah, I guess the way to re reflect this as a question to both of you is, um, given all we've talked about how, how can we apply these questions of, the video essay as a technology and what do we wish or want um, or expect out of the video, the, the technology of videographic criticism. No, but it's interesting because I think this, this idea of what you, what you were talking about earlier, this idea that technology is always open to multiple users. I think it's very much, uh, you know, it's a good formulation for what, or maybe where videographic criticism comes from in terms of hijacking editing techniques that when, you know, using editing software is not in the way of, well, yes, but not and only in, 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 as a way of producing finished works of media, but as a, as, an, as a methodology for studying how media are made and for explaining and teaching um, and researching how medias were made. So I think this, this openness of technology is very much at the core of what a number of us would agree, um, you know, is, is interesting in videographic uh, practices. So I think this 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 openness of technology is, I would I would hope that's my optimism talking is so much so at the core of the practice of videographic criticism that I don't see that disappearing, um, independently from the 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 attention market and the economical circumstances in which all of us are working and that determine also the forms of the films that we allow ourselves, uh, you know, in making. Um, but I don't know if you want, if you want to respond on the question that Kevin asked. Otherwise, I was going, I was going to go in a different direction. But perhaps you want to respond first um, to this, the question of the video essay as a technology and what techno presence that allows for. Yeah, I, I just think quickly also to 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 respond what you what you just um, said um, um, makes me think about what what um, the, the cybernetics pioneer Heinz von Furster what he called the ethical imperative that he said you should always behave in a way that the options are more <laughs> you should always behave that there are more options afterwards and not less I really love that and I think this should also be the ethical imperative for the video essay um, to to kind of like you should make video essays that expand the notion of what a video essay could be, and I think that's also our endeavor here with this, um, with this, with these exhibitions, um, that there are more possibilities and um, um, how to do that. At the same time, and I think again, this is perhaps an interesting, an interesting paradox. I mean, you mentioned Kevin how the presence of the video essayist um, can become um, such a formula and such a, it's uh, such kind of like an, 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 um, uh, an, a symptom of a very restricted view of what the video essay could be. Um, 
to relate here something um, that is more like personal to me. I, I realized that the longer I made video essays, the more I had the urge to appear in my own videos. And I kind of like um, try to sneak myself in, but I have a feeling it is it's happening out of a different for a different reason than uh, than because I because I knew that would be the formula for YouTube, but it was kind of like actually coming from a very different di direction, namely that I felt uncomfortable with this idea of like the pristine found footage and the the standard. Again, this is also very much a standard then in academia of like the disembodied the objective outside scholar that is not supposed to interfere with the material that he, she, or they are um, analyzing. So, again, I, again, I think it's, in a way, the, the result is the same. Um, the video essayist appears in his own video essays, but it can be for, for very different reasons. And then again, um, thinking of different um, audiences, it can also be um, a very different. And again, I, I think that that's probably also where the... Uh, I think that's what the dream is that you formulate in your essay, Kevin, um, on transformation scenario, that perhaps it's, again, it's not yet fully settled what this material... That, of course, I know it was produced for a certain... for, for perhaps for a certain reason, but perhaps we can do something else. And... This video essay that we watched, this is a proof of it. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I want to build on that. I know I know Chloe wanted to bring something up, but I just want to follow by, you know, you talk about what presence um, we have within the video essay. Um, and I, it, it occurs to me that our three examples really take strong contrasting positions because, yeah, Johannes... You know, with Panscan Vegman, it's as, as as easy as just being a spectator watching um, the image on screen and interpreting it, you know, and, and the, the video essay that gets created in your own mind by watching and responding to what's presented in front of you and how you interpret it. Um, with Transformation Scenario, it's a more, you know, montage based or it's more based on taking these materials and actually uh, manipulating them on screen. Um, and then with Chloe, it's, you know, this, this really proposes something, um, uh, exciting with regards to how the video essay can respond to VR, uh, metaverse environments and so on. I mean, this is something I'm, I'm actually more curious about and that, you know, how, how can you perform videographic analysis inside a VR environment? I mean, this seems to be, a you know, more of, um, a self-created environment, this film but but imagine you know going to a, a vr environment that's been presented for you and then what would a video essayist do inside there and how is it that you, the way that you move the way that you interact as a body determines um the 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 position of analysis which in a weird way brings us back to panscan vegman it goes back to like you know the the spectatorial point of view and just how you how you look at something how you see something it's not it's it's a very different type of montage than what uh transformation scenario is doing it's it's going back to the body you know it's 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 kind of ironic actually that for a, a video essay that's so focused on bodies i mean transformation scenario seems to be the least embodied 
of the three examples. <laughs> I just want to point that out. So anyway, um, yeah, so these are just some thoughts about presence uh, or presences of the video essayist. And Chloe, I, I don't know if that's related to what you want to say if, or it's something else. It is actually. No, it's segwayed to what I wanted to, to talk about earlier because I wanted to also go back to the ways the three videos were made and their aesthetics or their methods, I guess. Because I was, we were talking earlier, but this is very related to what you were saying just now. This idea of the, the openness of technology and this its undetermined quality. And I was really thinking of like trying to to express or describe how the three videos explore that openness of technology and the way that they were made in their videographic methods. And I think it's really interesting to notice how different the, the, the techniques used in the, the writing and the editing of the videos are that they yet um, each of them, I would argue, explore this this very idea of the, the openness of technology. And I would say, I don't know if that's accurate or if you would even agree, but thinking about it, I, I was I was sort of thinking, couldn't 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 it be described in the three cases that they explore something like a, a structure like a, a, um, a classical musical piece that has a theme and then variations, you know, like they establish a theme and then this themes gets modified and modified to the in, in a way that it gets richer, but then also in a way that you still remember sort of where you came from, but it becomes something else entirely. And I think I was elaborating this idea on, on something that Johannes writes in, in his introduction to Panskan Vekman with this 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 idea of ver ver versioning, versioning, I don't know how to pronounce that, that there, that there are multiple versions of the film and which one is the true one or is there such a thing as a true one or is the film object the sum of its different formats and manifestations in is the film made of all of the memories that we keep from watching them you know this 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 question of of um the multiplicity of the film object and i think this idea of versioning that there are multiple versions of the same thing um you know relates to this motif of the theme and variations that you create multiple versions of the same thing and i was struck that it seems like it's an operative um, visual method in the three videos that in Johannes's case you have the Ghostbuster scenes that is shown multiple times with different formats so it's presented and represented differently and represented differently and unless uh, until you get this this okay well uh, uh, until you can make sense of the multiplicity of them and I would say that in crisis or crisis um, you see that by the door opening to the next opening to the next that each environment can be understood as a variation on the one they just left and also how the body of the avatar is transformed across the film that it first appears as these naked arms and then the theme of the naked arms will be reinterpreted in different variations covered with military gear when the, the figure appears in a mirror and it's entirely covered in, in military equipment and at the end you have this third person point of view of the body that is just the arms with a camera in place of the head so it's like this theme of the naked arms are is varied in these different instances and in transformation scenario the, the video you picked kevin i was reminded of these it's not split screen it's this superimpositions of the different images this layering of images as sort of as if windows on the desktop that sort of a layer on top of one another and also how because of the similarity of what they show bodies crowds you know you know digitally 
created crowds uh, of people, how that also performs as a sort of creation of multiple variation on this theme or this idea of the multiple bodies. And I was, yeah, I think it's, it's, um, it's, 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 a, it's a way of thinking about um, videographic technologies that, or technopresence that makes me optimistic to observe the diversity of the ways in which these presences can be explored within one film and in those three films, if you take them together as a group or as a curation. And how, yeah, those different techniques um, can be understood as practical ways of exploring this openness of technologies that we were talking mm -hmm. about. I will. I will just say that um, I do feel a bit self-conscious because uh, all of my selections. I mean, because you you talk about diversity, you talk about possibilities, but uh, I have to confess, all of my um, selections are more or less taken from the film festival slash gallery context. And I do, you know, and especially seeing that Johannes selected Panscan Venkman, um, like I, I actually was thinking about selecting another video essay that uh, is coming from the scholarly context and was published on the In Transition Journal, like Panscan Venkman was. Um, it's called Feeling and Thought as They Take Form, Early Steadicam Labor, Technology and Style, 1974 to 1985. <laughs> it's, a very, it's a properly academic title and it's, it's a fantastic uh, video essay that would totally fit within this topic. Um, and and really, it just came down to the fact that it is available to watch on um, online, whereas transformation scenario um, is typically just you know uh, restricted to festival or gallery settings. And so it was really a great opportunity to have it available on the Film Explorer website uh, for a limited time. So it's a it's a question of making certain things well uh, available. <laughs> so. Yeah, but I also think, I mean, it was clear from the beginning also with this exhibition that it kind of like, it would be ridiculous to claim this are, I mean, we, we, we in all our um, exhibitions now, we kind of like also addressed this fact that we feel uncomfortable with this idea. What is the exemplary video essay? And instead, of course, we always opted for um, picks that were rather about what could a video essay be? What could also a video essay be? Mm -hmm. And... Um, of course, we hope that it just opens up kind of like a space in which everyone who's listening to this podcast right now, hopefully might also think of something that they um, uh, perhaps saw on uh, um, uh, online and, and thought, ah, this actually, this, this would also have been an interesting um, uh, uh, pick in that regard. Again, very much picking up on what, 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 um, what you talked about, Chloe, this question also of versions that also of video essay there of video essays there are only versions there is no there's no such thing as just like that's the video essay but also that we that we are aware that this is not the same like claiming it's kind of like uh oh, it does not really make a difference ah oh, it's only different versions anyway you that, that, that it, it's the very opposite of that it it's not the same like uh um it's it's not it's on the contrary i think precisely when being aware of that one deals with versions i think the the act of yeah, but I go with that version or I work with that version. That is kind of like, I think, as an act, even more, even more stronger and even and 
and even more um, uh, important. Well, that uh, the thing is that does end up privileging the work in the way when, when you have you know the the that's the reason why like the most famous or canonical uh, works of film or art are also the ones that have the most versions available, like the director's cut, the extended cut. Or, you know, it's just a way of building upon the existing aura of a work. Because when I listen to you say that, because you know, I was going to talk about um, um, that I, I'm interested in learning more about TikTok video essays. I, I was still on the on the thought of like, what have what is not present in our selections? You know, that I would love to engage with if I just had the the experience because I haven't watched so many video essays on TikTok, but I have seen clips of people green screening themselves in front of. Um, you know, footage on a, on on a film and then pointing out things, and I'm like, wow, this is amazing! Uh, <laughs> it's uh, such like DIY technology you can just do on your phone and produce uh, an insightful work. But maybe this also, but maybe this does connect back to what you were saying about versioning, because this, yeah, this is also a a version of the film that uh, has been produced within this specific context. And on the one hand, it's like, you know, can you imagine Panscan Venkman as a TikTok, like green screen video where we actually see Cormac Donnelly, like, like, here's where we would have seen Bill Murray, but you see, <laughs> and it's also, and also thinking like it's uh, because it's like formatted for the phone, which creates the whole idea of like, okay, how do we properly format Panscan Venkman or Ghostbusters so that we can watch it on the phone? Or is it just adding another layer of, of cropping and mediation? You know, and, and it also makes me think of actually something I have. Um, I mean, this is a serious um, question for me, and I, 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 I would be interested to hear if you have um, um, ideas on that, because I realize that when asked why in your own work, why is it that you will work with these classics? Why would you so often use, for example, films by Hitchcock? My claim would be, look, it's not out of like a cinephilic um, admiration, but rather I think these films, they don't have to, I don't have to take care of them. I can do with them, mm. I'm much freer with them. Whereas in the contrast to that, if I would make a video essay um, about, um, about um, a, a filmmaker from a, from a minority, a filmmaker that I would think that even my students, they're not even familiar with that work. I would feel obligated to do justice to this work. I would not feel comfortable to experiment, to cut it apart, because I think, look, first, you should actually watch it. And then perhaps, eventually, I hope we are going to be able to experiment uh, with that. Mm -hmm. and, I, and, and I really do see, it's kind of like, then I ask myself, okay, but but then still, to what extent do you then perpetuate this idea of like the canonized um, works? To what extent does then your 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 video essay still miss the chance to make something visible that should be made visible? Mm. And that's a kind of like that's a predicament. I I I don't have a solution to that. Well, okay, this this gives me a chance to pay compliments to Chloe, but with a little bit of a twist. Because I think what she's done with um, watching the pain of others and watching the detectives is, you know, precisely to give tremendous critical attention and presence, going back to technical presence, to two films that are not canonical, if I can say, um, 
um, and you know, which yeah, when to be honest, when when she was first engaging with these films, I was like, yeah, is it is it actually working against you that they're not familiar for the reasons that you just explained, Johannes? But just the investment of attention and the ways that, in which she engages with these films really, uh, well, that then but then it's a question of, you know. Because I th I think to some people these films are more like Chloe's films are more known or more present than the, <laughs> the than the original works. I mean, just well for one thing they're available online, whereas the um, watching the detectives and uh, the pain of others are are not. Which you know gets back to why I wanted to you know put transformation scenario online just to give it a presence. Um, but I, I don't know what you think about that, Chloe, in terms of. What what meaning does presence have in these particular examples? Well, I think there's one way of thinking of video essays as versions, you know, going back to this idea of versioning that is not so much about replacing an original with a better version, you know, or a more accessible version. Um but it's really more about the idea that none of these objects were definitive statements anyway. It's going back to what Johannes was, was writing about, thinking about. Even a film that is as canonical as Ghostbusters exists in a multiplicity of versions. So why shouldn't a film by Penny Lane also exist in a multiplicity of versions? Which doesn't mean that one is better or more deserving than the others, especially in the case of the films that I was um, analyzing in watching The Pain of Others or in Forensicness. Those films were already made out of pre-existing material, so they were already versions or, you know, second-hand, if you want to call it that, versions of pre-existing media. And I think this is something that you learn working, you know, engaging with the online environment as uh, the landscape that you explore and not just the place in which you want to put your work, is that this this the the the, the remix culture, if you want to call it that, um, destabilizes the the object, the media object, or the filmic object for that matters, in such a way that I'm not sure how much sense it makes to even think. Or I personally don't think about it in those terms, thinking about my films as replacement for the films that they discuss. I mean, of course, my video essays were made out of tremendous respect and admiration for the filmmakers um, whose work I was analyzing. And I do believe that it it is transmitted through my analysis. Um, and I personally, I'm, I'm just really extremely happy every time uh, I get to show these films in public and in the audience afterwards, people ask me, these and that and that film that you quote, they seem fantastic, where can I watch them? And I've 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 seen that happen so many times that I realized that this is it's it's becoming a more and more important aspect for me in thinking about videographic criticism. Um that it is I mean going back to what Johannes was saying, you know, I I I do believe there are really gorgeous things and interesting things to be made out of Hitchcock, but I also think that videographic criticism can be a platform for bringing works to audiences that they would not have discovered them. And if they 
watch watching the pain of others first and that makes them want to seek out Penny Lane's film which is on on VOD you know it's not like it's a secret work to you know that you will never be able to see um you know whatever the order in which you encounter these works i think it's just great if you get to see them and again like this this um what would be the english word for that is a passeur in french like the one who passes along like you get the plate and you pass it along to the next person i'm seeing that you know about film and media i'm just getting the plate from my neighbor and passing it on to the next neighbor and hopefully it just gets things in in circulation and in in debates yeah but okay so thinking about that i mean we we, we seem to be quite um supportive of the idea of versioning um but it gets me thinking about transformation scenario which again is about the virtual and digitized versions of humans and how how, what relationship they have to humans. So it's like if, if we're going to make these wishes for um, works of media and that it's all just versions of one or the other, like um, I guess it has me making these associations for like what value I have as a as as my own person when they're, you know, we're going to have like versions of us, digital versions of us in the future. And what relationship are we going to have with these? I mean, we already have them now in terms of our social media presences, the data that can be found about us uh, online or elsewhere. I think this is already a virtualization of the self. Um, but then it's it's just going to get more and more animated and more explicit. So um, I don't know. It's just it's just a, a stray thought that I have thinking about mm, how this might how to what extent. Do we have to re reconsider one's sense of, I don't know, values, ethics, morals, um, if we're looking at a future where we are just one version of ourselves? <laughs> I think one possible response to that is in Penske and Beckman, because, I mean, I think it's it's one way to think about it is a is a matter of of scale, you know, in the grand s scheme of things we are versions of one another and we are we we can replace one another if you look from the perspective of a tree you know who's who's breathing the you know <laughs> the air that they are emitting doesn't really make a difference we are living beings on the planet yet on an interpersonal level it doesn't mean that we are the same and i think what the, the connection i was making with panskin vekman is that i think what the video is is the thing that i really love about this video is that on the one hand it says there are multiple versions that are equally valuable and equally authentic and equally true and at the same time it says but there is one that is mine <laughs> it's it's the one that i care for is the one that i love and it's the one that's important to me not like for everybody, but to me. And I think this is where the, this question of scale can enter in the conversation about versioning. Like we might on a certain level be versions of one another or have multiple versions of oneself. So it doesn't change the fact that an interpersonal, more intimate level, we can still care for individual versions, you know, rather than the other versions that we could also have cared for, but we don't. It's a beautiful, yeah, it's, I think it's a, it's a beautiful idea and exactly also what I would have answered that again I think the question of the decision of what you decide with what you want to spend your time with and with what you want to live with that is actually then um, even more uh, important and 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 I think we actually all of us are are doing that we feel close to existences to modes of existence that we only know 
in a virtual way. There are acquaintances, there are people that I, and I, pre, I think precisely that was for me something that I found so fascinating in the, with the video essay scene, that there were these people that I never met in person, but that I feel extremely close to, that I feel like I'm working in, um, um, in, in constant conversation with them, although I've never met them in person, whereas I, there are other acquaintances that I, that I meet in person daily, uh, and I don't feel as close to. So, and I think this is a banality, but at the same time, I think it just, it just shows us that we are actually always doing that. We're always living with these different versions, and we are actually also even kind of like pick up on the, 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 the notion of post um, <laughs> that we had in the last um, podcast. I think we're also already living in a post-human um, uh, 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 environment. And it's actually, and, and I would even claim it always was. <laughs> it, there, there never was such a thing as kind of like just real interaction and then these fake and virtual interactions. No, it, it was always kind of like a conglomerate. And the question was, what do you want you sp to spend your time with? And I think that question becomes, of course, as we see also in social media, that I think that's the big the biggest question for, for today and pr probably also for the future. What, what do you want to spend your time with? And, and to invest your energy in. No mm. one else can tell you that from the outside. No one can tell you, look, this is the thing um, you should invest yourself um, uh, in. Again, also, I, I totally agree. That's also what I like so much about um, Cormac's um, uh, video, precisely because it's a film that I, for example, I don't even like this film. I don't even like Ghostbusters. Mm -hmm. But I like the investment of, 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 of Cormac in that film that he says, look, but that's the vision I'm going to, that's, that's the version I'm going I'm, 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 to, I'm going to propose here. Hmm. Yeah, which is a nice way to kind of bring it back to techno presence as it rates directly to a video essay, because I guess all of our selections in some ways have generated a, a strong sense of a presence through a videographic engagement with their materials. And uh, yeah, I guess that's just what we would wish for um, all the video essays that we would get to enjoy. Um, I see that we're at a full hour, so uh, I want to just say that I really appreciate our virtual techno presence through this zoom screen and i hope that this the presence that we're enjoying will convey itself to uh listeners in podcast form podcast. Video essay. production by film explorer